Okay, odds are pretty good that I'm live now. What I'd like to do, well, hello there, first of all. What I'd like to do is just make another quick announcement that um, check the community tab for any new shows. We'll have another show tomorrow about Spain and look for four o'clock. And I don't want to every time say, well, this week we're going to do this or that. So just look for four o'clock. We're probably going to be doing shows more often than not these days because we have a lot to catch up with. So let's get going here. Let's talk a little bit about Cuba and Puerto Rico today. And I put some things in the show notes, which will be available as soon as I'm done here. Puerto Rico is interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, it actually, um, very poor country. If you look at those maps, I put maps in there for you to look at too. Puerto Rico, Cuba, they're all kind of a straight shot to Africa. <laughs> so, you know, as far as logistically. So you got three places that could all like triangulate between Africa. And also Puerto Rico is kind of funny because remember when Trump was down there throwing paper towels? Um, so anyway, so I have two files on that for you to take a look at. Also, all those countries, uh, Puerto Rico, Cuba, Spanish-speaking countries. Also, a lot of people in Africa are also known to speak Spanish. Of all the languages, the United States being English, <laughs> or whoever we are, <laughs> um, English is the number one language in the world, and Spanish is the number two language. So, you'll find a lot of people in Africa also speaking Spanish. So, yeah, so it's kind of interesting what these Cubans are up to with this medical stuff. So anyway, so look at those, before I get there, look at the pictures of Puerto Rico. This is my impression, okay? Puerto Rico to me, now I haven't been there, I just did a visual tour. It looks to me like another version of Cuba. But remember, Cuba was locked up all those years and wasn't really raking in the tourist dollars. So Puerto Rico looks like parts of it have a pretty well-developed tourist location for people to go and hang out on the beaches. The other part, not so nice. You know, wires that are hanging, bad electrical throughout the whole place. So those two places also share an intense amount of poverty. Um, so they also have sketchy communications on those, on those places because of where they are at. So yeah, so it's interesting. And also to increase communication on Cuba, the U.S. government gave a bunch of people phones a few years ago. So I don't know. But anyway, so I'm sure those bases, you know, both, both Cuba and Puerto Rico have quite a few U.S. military bases there, which is another thing to take a look at in the show notes. And let me know what you think. It looks to me like it would be a pretty smart place to set up shop because you, you got yourself. When I worked in marketing and I was in California, we did our printing in the Midwest. The reason being when you're in the Midwest, your printing costs going out to all the different regions. So consolidating your efforts makes a whole lot of sense because you get just things all in one, one area. So anyway, so in the back of my head, I had heard something a long time ago about Cuban doctors. <laughs> my brain must be a storage of weirdo details. So yeah, so Cuba is interesting because they actually started doing medical missions abroad. And it's probably the most significant legacies of the 1959 Cuban Revolution, Revolución in Cuba. The program involves Cuban doctors offering health care services in host countries, often in impoverished rural communities where there's little access. The program stemmed from Cuba's foreign policy objectives of anti-colonialism and humanitarianism in the 1960s. Now, I looked up the definition of humanitarianism right now. <laughs> 
I think that probably the opposite of humanitarianism is maybe eugenics, but you guys will have to help me look it up. I'm old and I didn't get that far today. So yeah, I think humanitarian in the sixties probably means, you know, let's get to the rest of the world. So, cause we've been finding like, for example, there's parts of the world where we can see that they might be doing certain things. For example, there's a whole bunch of countries that have short, entirely short populations i don't think they got going with the growth hormone stuff until probably you know sometime around the 40s and then they have some mistakes that we've seen in the growth hormone but i'll get back to that part later but yeah we're we're finding there's these pockets of things where they possibly could be doing experiments around the world and probably and they were all pretty impoverished so probably these cuban doctors probably play into part of this i mean kind of like your own um, door-to-door service right eugenics right up to your front door So anyways, it was um, one way in which Cuba could avoid the isolation intended by the trade embargo imposed by the U.S. and its, its expulsion from the Organization of America States, its OAS. Evidently, what happened was Cuba got kicked out of this Organization of America States. Now, <laughs> well... We don't really need to understand why. It's just part of their little controlled opposition thing. But anyway, so supposedly Cuba gets kicked out of that. And with all these embargoes from the U.S., how Cuba's coming up with all this medical equipment? See, there's a lot of loopholes in this deal, right? So well over 131,000 Cuban doctors, 131,000 Cuban doctors have taken part in international missions in 107 countries. This stuff gets more horrifying. Kenya is the latest. Yeah, that's what they need more eugenics in Africa, right? The first 50 specialists arrived in the country recently. This is from a few years ago. So there was this question, how do doctors serve Cubans' international interests? Well, in the Cold War years, Cuba began using its doctors as a diplomatic tool to overcome that political isolation. So when they got kicked out, They What they did was um, there had been a French group in here. Surprise, surprise, right? Because they sent their first medical mission abroad to Algeria with 56 Cubans replacing French doctors who had left the African area after it gained independence from France. So the French doctors were there. They left when they got independence from France. Now, I think these French doctors may have become those psychos, the um, doctors without borders, because they were formed in 71. So probably that's where those French doctors ended up being, going around and harassing some other part of the world, right? The doctors helped cement a bond between the two revolutionary countries, and they maintain close relationships today. So we got French and Cuba being buddies, right? So this organization, all this stuff happened after the war, This Organization of American States, it's called OAS, is an international organization that was founded on 30 April 1948 for the purpose of solidarity and cooperation among member states within the Americas. It's headquartered in Washington, D.C., 35 members, and somehow they kicked Cuba out. (laughs) But Cuba's still on the U.N., so... Some of these things you have to decide, is it that important to spend the next week trying to figure out one detail? So anyway, so they did this for smaller African or Caribbean countries who can't necessarily afford to pay for the doctors. It gets them on Cuba's side. It's kind of like a recruiting thing, right? It gets more favorable toward Cuba. They do a lot of stuff for a country that's so embargoed. 
and they'll be more lenient toward Cuba when they're under international pressure from Europe and the United States to oppose it. Yeah, it, that's just such BS, right? So anyway, so what they did was they won praise in international media for their efficacy and commitment after Haiti's 2010 earthquake and during West Africa's 2014 Ebola crisis. That helps to put a palatable face on an authoritarian regime that, no, they're not an authoritarian regime. These guys are just traveling around doing eugenics is really what this is. So and I think we need to go in every sense of that. So here's the interesting thing about, another interesting thing about Cuba. So how are they doing all this? Well, simply because they have a big medical school in Cuba now. <laughs> it's called, um, it's called the, um, ELAM, E-L-A-M, Escuela Latinoamérica de Medicina. I studied Spanish in school. It means School for Latin American Medicine. Okay. It was established by the Cuban government in 1999, three nines there. The school is designed to promote free medical education to students drawn from throughout the world. Get them over to Cuba and let them become doctors. So... They explain in this New Yorker article that ELAM aims to recruit students from low-income and marginalized communities where they are encouraged to return after they graduate to practice medicine. So this school alone from 1999 has an estimated 28,500 students. That's a lot of students (laughs) from 103 countries have graduated from there. 170 are from the U.S. and 4,690 students enrolled as of 2017. So yeah, they got a quite, and you know, see how this is kind of weird because the U.S. is sanctioning Cuba. Cuba's bad, but yet the U.S. is sending people there for medical school. So if you can make any sense out of it, please fill me in in the comments. <laughs> so, so then somebody came along and said that this article in the New Yorker leaves out some key information. I thought, do tell. What key information did these people possibly leave out? Well, this whole school deal is actually organized by some U.S. group. <laughs> it's called IFCO, Internet, Interreligious Foundations for Community Organizations. Is some group that's here that has a website here, runs out of here, is called Pastors for Priests. Yeah, it's got to be a really swell group, right? Um, an interfaith organization to assist oppressed people in their fight for justice and self-determination. Yeah, so somehow the U.S. is... Anyway, if you can find out more about this group. But it's funny how these things work, right? I guess because the U.S. wants to keep their sticky paws on all the money, right? Don't let it float into Cuba <laughs> or you might lose out. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, so this school is provided to give free medical care everywhere. And what's going to happen is is that because of the cost structure of U.S. medical education, it helps perpetuate inequality in the profession, okay? Since 1987, only 6% of medical students come from low-income families, only 6%. Well, we all know the reason for that, right? It has nothing to do with um, money. It has to do with family. I doubt that... Remember quite a few shows ago when I read how they probably classify and keep everybody organized and straight and in groups. I doubt maybe years ago some natural people got through in this deal. 
I really, and Andy and I have talked about this quite a bit, I highly doubt anybody's getting through at this stage, okay? I would venture to say that probably 99.9% of anybody going through this program is already transgender. Or coming from a country that the whole country's been transgender, there's that possibility too, and there's quite a few options here. So what they go on to say is, the median student debt for graduating U.S. medical students in 2016 was $190,000. So the student loan debt, this is actually quite an evil genius plan these people cooked up. Got to give the psychos credit will do, right? The e- evil genius of this is that um, what happens is, is that they get all these people. And it's actually probably more deadly than putting them into big cities, right? Because um, they pair them up and send them out to different regions, these are doctors and stuff. In So today, an estimated 64 million Americans live in areas where there's only one primary care physician for every 3,000 people. So what Cuban has done is they have gotten all these doctors to primarily be um, general care doctors. So what they do is they go into primary care, and many of them take up posts in areas where there are doctor and nurse teams that live in the neighborhoods in which they practice. See, send, send the eugenics out to the field, right? Probably they get the most, in their minds, the most undesirable people out in poor villages and stuff, but I'm not going to start speculating, but, you know. Oh, and I forgot to add, those Doctors Without Borders, they're located out of Switzerland. <laughs> so, yeah, so I don't know what to tell you here. Tomorrow I'm going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about Spain. Um, Spain's pretty involved in all of this stuff. These countries all speak Spanish. Um, Spain at one time had ruled them. Um, Spain might be, I, I, now I don't know anything about what a hidden hand is, but my instinct says Spain may be the hidden hand here. Um, so if anybody knows more, I mean, um, Andy and I are pretty busy, and Pam's been helping us with some of this other stuff. So we've been pretty busy. So if you can think of anything, whatever comes to your mind, please just put it in the comments. Or if you want to do a show about it, expand it further, please go ahead and do it. And we'll upload it over here, too. So, yeah, so chat with you tomorrow. So just watch the time. Learn how to find the community page. All is good. Talk with you soon. Be safe out there. Goodbye for now.